Hello, everybody. This is Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week, we have a friend who I'm not going to read her bio, even though it's going to be on the notes for the episode, because I've known her since I think I was 10 or 11 years old. Uh, maybe even younger. Her name is Melissa Maker. We grew up together. We went to uh, three schools together. And uh, I love her to death. We've traveled. We've been to New Orleans um, and other places. And uh, we're still thick as thieves. And I'm just so excited. So I'm, I'm babbling with love. Melissa, how's it going? <laughs> Thank you. It's going well. How are you? I'm good. Um, it was tough getting you on the show because you're both magnanimous magnanimous. <laughs> And animated and like lively, but you're also like sort of quiet. And so you were like a <laughs> podcast. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a, this is often my way. It was sort of a coy comment that me that got me into this. Um, I feel woefully underqualified compared to a lot of your guests, but I'm happy to be here. That's totally wrong. And it was hilarious because I have an actual <laughs> list in order and I have like friends from college, friends from high, you know what I mean? I have like this whole, and I try to space you guys out. And so it's hilarious because you were lower on the list sheerly because I was like, she's going to say no anyway. So I might as well delay it. Um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, if I have enough of her friends on, then that'll pressure her. So, um, <laughs> and speaking of pressure and all that, um, how old are you? Where did you grow up? Like specifically, since I just said we grew up together and, uh, what generation, if any, do you consider yourself a member of? Uh, so I am 41 years old. I primarily grew up in Orinda, California, uh, for the majority of my childhood. And I don't know that I would say that I necessarily identify with any, um, group, you know, uh, but I guess with my birth, I am on the cusp of millennial and what is it? Gen, Gen Z or Gen X, one Gen of those. X. So Gen X, thank you. So I, I, I guess I would say that as is, you know, where I, my birth year is, I, I'm probably a little bit of both. Yeah, cool. I feel the same way. <laughs> um, and I should actually read your bio because it's very interesting. I think people would care. She's a pediatric physical therapist um, living and working in the Bay Area. But I think the other thing that even though it's not your uh, dominant theme of your life anymore, you're an equestrian and you've been your whole life. So I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about that. Yeah. And, and just to clarify, I'm a physical therapist assistant. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And and you have worked in horse riding programs and stuff. I mean, you're doing everything, right? Yeah. So actually, that is what got me into the area of physical therapy is that I, I've ridden since I was a child and competed and done the whole gamut with the equestrian world. Um, and when I was about 13, uh, where I lived in the Valley in Orinda, um, a, a therapeutic riding center moved into the Valley and so long story, but I got started there and volunteered and started teaching and then met a wonderful physical therapist who was working there and my career was born and my passion for, for physical therapy was born there. So it's it's been a great way to combine passions and find my life's work. That's so cool and that's so awesome. And I just want to ask you like the dumbest question, but I'm going to literally phrase it the way my mind presented it to me. <laughs> um, what do you love about horses? Oh, that's, that's actually a really good question. I don't know if anybody has ever asked me that specifically like that before. Um, there's so much that I love about horses. They are so complex, but at the same time, just so simple. Um, they will mirror sort of how you're feeling. So if you're anxious, nervous, excited, calm, they really feed off of your energy. Um, but at the same time, like whenever I'm having 
a bad day or I'm just, my mind's going crazy because, you know, a million things going on in my life. I go out to the barn and I stand next to a horse and I just breathe (laughs) and my mind, my mind sort of goes clear and everything feels calmer. Um, so, and there's no better feeling than galloping on a horse. So (laughs) right on. That's cool. I did horseback ride for about four years of my life and I did actually get to the point where I was galloping and all that. So I am uh, acquainted to them, but it was so many years ago. I mean, it's really been a long, I think I, got on one one more time in my like early 20s but um kind of ancillary to the what do you love about horses um what do you think because you also love dogs what do you think makes a horse not a dog if that makes any sense like what like special quality does only a horse have that a dog doesn't um i i mean I, there's there's probably many but the one that comes to my mind the most is that like the horse can carry you can literally physically carry you. Right. Uh-huh. And whereas a dog, your any work you're going to be doing is on the ground or, you know, hiking or whatever you're doing, everything is all on the ground. Whereas a horse can literally carry you off the ground, take you over jumps, you know, whatever you, you choose to do in your riding career, but they can literally carry you. That's cool. And then what about like emotionally? Is there like a big difference between the two? I wouldn't say that there's a big difference. Just like within dogs, horses have so many different, they all have their own personality and some are really timid and shy and quiet and some are assertive and forward. And so I wouldn't say that there's a lot of, you know, big difference emotionally. Cool. And all-time list, uh, who's your number one favorite horse you ever worked with, rode, had, all that? Oh, uh, my heart horse was my horse that I owned from the time that I was about 15 until he passed away about uh, five or six years ago. And his, his show name was Rembrandt, but his barn name was Rip. I didn't know they had bar, name, bar names. That's well, so cool. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, because a lot of horses show, show names are really long. Uh-huh. So often they'll have like a, a quote unquote nickname, but call it a barn name. That's yeah. so cool. I love it. <laughs> and have you ever had to refuse to work with a horse because it was just too unruly? Um, I have not in like my personal writing, I, I tend to like to take on those kind of challenges. Um, you know, I, I always try to, you know, do, you know, take calculated risks. Um, but there are certainly horses that we have decided are not appropriate for the therapeutic riding center. because that's a totally different undertaking. Got it. Okay. That makes sense to me. And uh, a couple more horse questions, and they're not planned, but they're all just coming in percolating. Sure. What is the scariest horse moment you've ever had? Oh, uh, to pick just one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to be honest here. Um, no, that's cool. I'm, yeah, I'm fascinated by this. Yeah, so I mean, there there have definitely been a few. The scariest is probably one of the first times I came off rip when I we were teaching him how to jump down banks and he he threw me and he threw me good and it actually knocked me unconscious so just not not being sure if I you know had a concussion or needed but I've had lots of injuries over the years um I've been really fortunate that that's you know been about the extent of the severity Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I mean, when you, when you go flying through the air and you kind of, you don't know how you're going to land, you don't know what's going to happen. Those, uh, those are some scary moments. So let's like kind of compare this to something that's more mainstream, I guess, or that more people probably have a familiarity with. Um, a lot of people like I've met in my life played high school football and then they've actually mm-hmm. said to me, like, I would never let my kids play football. It's too dangerous. Where's like mm-hmm. horseback riding on that level for you? Um, I mean, 
from my point of view, I would say that at least the the type of um, writing that I do and, and have done in the past, because you're also bringing in this animal that you can't always control and that is so much bigger than you and outweighs you by so much. Mm-hmm. And then what I used to do, like gallop at high rates of speed over solid obstacles, fences that don't come down if you hit them, things like that. Yeah. Um, I would say that horseback riding is probably more dangerous in the grand scheme of things. I, I think high, that football players probably might get hurt more regularly, but I, you know, so it's, it's probably all relative, but from, I would say that horseback riding is probably potentially more dangerous. No, that's cool. And I think that a lot of people wouldn't really know that I, I you know, the only even reason I would know it's dangerous is because the guy who played Superman died when we were like young. Well, yeah, he, he was in, yeah, he was paralyzed. You're paralyzed uh, yeah. Right, sorry. Rather, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that like made it like you know how all it takes is one celebrity and everyone's like oh my god this like <laughs> this thing is yeah. ravishing our society. Um, okay, and I think <laughs> this is my last horse question. What's your greatest achievement with horseback riding? Oh, I I would say actually that my greatest achievement is not necessarily with my riding, but with the, the with the riding center, like being able to bring my knowledge from riding to the riding center, both in there, I've done therapy services and therapeutic riding services there. And just being able to bring that to the center, um, and to, to the clients that I've worked with. I think that for me is my personal biggest accomplishment. Cool. All right. So now kids and horses discuss. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) What's the youngest age a kid that you've ever worked with that you've put on a horse? Uh, so uh, as a as a licensed therapist, we can start them younger. So the youngest we can do for physical therapy services, I believe, is 18 months. And wow. we've had some, yeah, we've had some that are somewhat close to that. I think about two is maybe the youngest that I've worked with um, on a horse. Um, now mind, mind you, they're not, I'm not just putting a, a two-year-old on a horse and <laughs> letting them go. Right. Um, we have, we have a team, um, you know, a lot of the kids that I work with are quite physically involved. Mm-hmm. And so they, there's two, there's a you know person who is behind the horse, driving the horse. Um, and there's two sidewalkers on each side, making sure that that kid stays safe mm-hmm. in the middle of the horse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, I am there in my therapy, my therapist capacity, I'm working on whatever goals we have established for that client. Cool. All right. Here's a philosophy yeah. thought experiment for you. It just came to me. Brilliant of me. Okay. Uh, there's a train <laughs> it's so and it's modest. headed down a track and it can go one of three ways and you can control which way it goes. In one direction, A, there's five dogs you don't know. In direction B, there's five kids you don't know. And in direction C, there's five horses you don't know. Where do you make the train go? Oh, I would make the train go down to the five kids that I don't know because at least I can talk to them and tell them to stop and be quiet. And oh, no, no, no. You misunderstood. Ch- I'm sorry. The train oh. is going to crush and kill all three. Oh! oh <laughs> sorry. Wow. I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a famous trolley experiment and I, I didn't say trolley I said train so there's no way you could have known what I meant and I will not edit this I'll just leave my foible in but <laughs> so anyway you, you have a choice between killing uh, let's just say one dog one horse or one kid and again you do not know any of them oh 
God's God's mean. <laughs> you don't have to answer. It's a famous philosophy of experiment, though. <laughs> I think I would put myself in front before Aww. I couldn't. I don't think I could make that decision. That's that's too much. That's a great answer, actually. <laughs> and that actually segues perfectly to the purpose of this podcast, which is to discuss morality and uh, whether or not it's attached to religions and philosophies and stuff. So when I met you when we were young, you were like into, but I wouldn't say you were like overtly into Christianity. Are you still a Christian? I actually don't think that I've ever considered myself a Christian. Wow. Um, I definitely, yeah. Okay. So it was much more of a social thing for me. Oh. I definitely, yeah. Cool. I grew up in a in a household where God and religion was was not not really well looked upon. It was more organized religion, but you know, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't speak for either my parents. I don't think either of them believe in God, but uh-huh. definitely don't believe in organized religion. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, it was really more like junior high and, and part of high and high school yeah, where just, I was g- yeah. going to youth groups and stuff, but it was really more the social and something to go and do with friends. And I mean, I, I enjoyed being able to do activities with friends that my parents, while they didn't love the religious side of it, they were fine with the social side of it and, you know, a way to spend time with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it afforded me an opportunity in high school. Each spring break, we went down and built houses in Mexico. So See, that's really why I great thought you were like Christian. That's so yeah. crazy. Yeah. Oh, I've never bothered to ask you. I just assumed you were like into it to the exact level where you don't talk about it to other people. <laughs> that was why, you know, and I don't ask friends like, hey, what, yeah. you know. Oh my gosh. No, sure. It doesn't, unless it comes up for some reason, you're not going to just out of the blue ask. I understand. <laughs> wow. This is like mind blowing in a really cool way. Um, so, I know, considering how long we've known each other, yeah, right? <laughs> no, seriously. So have you ever believed in God? No. Cool. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, <laughs> what reason have you, do, do you remember, like at some point you had to be like, I don't believe in God. Do you remember that moment? Um, I think that I've kind of always had that feeling. I've never really, I mean, I've thought about it, obviously, because going to youth groups, my grandmother was very religious. Um, so I've definitely thought about it, but I think I've always had a much more science-based mind. Mm -hmm. And so I've definitely been more of the, well, I really am more into the tangibles and, you know, I, I want to live a good life or what's, you know, quote unquote, a good life and try to figure out right and wrong without being having it dictated to me and feeling guilty if I'm not doing everything that I'm supposedly supposed to be doing and feeling like a horrible person. Um, so that I think that is really, you know, I, I always sort of steer, steered away from buying into a lot of the organized parts of religion. That's cool. That's a great answer. It's really well explained. So do you actually use the the term atheist to describe yourself? Yeah, I think that I would say that I'm an atheist. So, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I think there's probably something bigger out there maybe, mm-hmm. but, um, so I'm not, I'm not totally opposed to that possibility, but I, I don't necessarily believe that there's just one God out there watching over all of us. I definitely don't believe in heaven and hell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that sort of those very like traditional Christian beliefs. Yeah. That's interesting. So like, there's not, I don't think there's a word for this, but really you're like an ADist, like you're against the idea of God, but you're not against the idea of like a mysterious something like. Yeah. And I think that I, I see more um, validity or I don't know if the, that's the word I'm looking for, but like in more like the Native American sort of outlook on where there's 
there's multiple, you know, sort of spirits and gods of different things. I would say much, I much more believe in like the energy and power of nature because, cool. you know, e- even trees are, you know, plants, they're all truly living things. Yeah. But I, 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 so I, I would say that I would probably lean more to that, that side if I, I'm, you know, trying to, to identify more of like spiritual structure. That's cool. You're, you're really interesting to me. You've always had, I mean, it's what I was trying to get at in the intro. Um, but like, you are definitely a scientific person and I, you always struck me that way, but you're also like very kind and compassionate. And then you yield this like incredible sarcastic wit that you can throw at anyone <laughs> at any time. Um, and uh, it's interesting. It's like a very interesting combination. I know some of that has to do with like who you grew up with and how you grow up. But um, I yeah. am curious, like, do you believe that there's like an innate quality to you that makes you, you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's what makes us all unique individuals is we all have, innate qualities that you know and it's the combination of the qualities that we possess that's so uniquely individual too right yeah cool so i guess that would segue to the point of the podcast which is what do you think happens to this combination of unique qualities when she dies (laughs) (laughs) hey everyone if you're a fan of the show please head over to mikeyop.com and click the subscribe button it's the best way to support us and it's free that's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P dot com. Thanks. So the simplest answer is that I don't know. Um, I would say that I probably have more put m- more concrete thoughts about what I don't believe. Like, I don't believe in reincarnation. I don't believe, like I said, in heaven and hell. Um, you know, I, I obviously, with the scientific minds, like, either you're cremated and so then your ashes are either strewn somewhere or they're kept somewhere or you're buried. And so then you decompose and and that process happens. But, you know, I've been thinking, I've been thinking about this knowing that I was coming on here and I think what happens, cause I don't know if I believe that we have a spirit that then stays, but I think that we all have an essence that we leave with, mm. uh, you know, the, the lows who knew us and loved us and, and had, had contact with us in life and I know that I feel like that presence or that essence like of our friends who passed of my family you know grandparents and whatnot who have passed people that I have loved and lost mm-hmm. I feel them in when just something little reminds them um, you know a memory comes through a moment that I wish they were there for I could talk to them you know so yeah. I think that's kind of it's more like that there's an essence that we leave with the people who knew us that's a brilliant, really cool answer. And obviously I'm Aww. thinking of a mutual friend that we both lost, um, Aaron Goldsmith. I've mentioned him enough times on here. Um, and he passed yeah. away in his, I think, 36 of liver cancer. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I've felt the same thing. So I'm actually, I would love to like ask you specifically about him. Like when you get that feeling about him, do you feel like it's him or do you feel like it's your memory of him? Cause you said kind of both and I kind of agree with both. Yeah. And, and you know what, I think it, it probably is both. I think that there are some times where it's my memories of him. And sometimes <laughs> it's like, I can literally like hear, like I can see that, that kind of coy smile that he would have sometimes. And I can just like, I could just imagine what he would say in a situation. Um, but you know, I, I was, it's like, I just, I don't really have a lot of regrets in life, but I would say what I regret mostly if I had to talk about what I regret is like things that I didn't do or conversations I didn't have Mm -hmm. rather than things I did, you know, I've done and conversations I have had. It's more the things that, that time, you know, didn't 
not enough time spent, not enough conversations had those sorts of things. So I definitely have moments where I'm like, Oh, I wish I could talk to this person about this. And and certainly with him, I have those moments like, just remember the conversations that we used to have. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause I do think, um, if there's one takeaway from his specific death to me, and I know everyone else he touched, it's that it's it's weird to explain this, but I know other people have said the same thing. If you lose a very, very, very dear friend like that in your 30s, but there's like a, the slow knowing they're going to die, it's very different from like a car accident or something because you do it, you get a chance to reflect and then it kind of changes all of us forever. Like I think all of us are living not our best life in like a corny Instagram way, but like we actually did like step it up, you know? Yeah, no, you know, I, you know, it was, it's a horrible thing for somebody, especially somebody who is so wonderful to have to die. I feel like before, you know, really they've had that full complete life and he had an amazing complete life, but I just felt like there was so much more. So if there has to be a silver lining that I would say, you're right. That's the silver lining is that he, at least for me, I know inspired me all the time to make the most of the time that I do have that I'm here. Cause you never know when it's going to be gone. Amen. Uh, <laughs> and so kind of like along these similar lines, um, have you ever experienced like a spooky, weird, uncanny moment that you can't explain? And that does make you believe that there is some sort of force. No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I really, uh, you know, I'm not, I've never been one who's like, I don't remember my dreams a lot. Never really had any dreams that are really just like, Oh my God, somebody came to me in a dream or this, this realization happened. Um, and even, you know, in waking moments, I don't know that there's ever been a moment where I'm just like, okay. Other than when I do see things like, you know, when I, in, in my time at the writing center, I have seen horses do some amazing things and I'm just like, how does that horse, you know, even like have that, that mindset or that thought process. Like, and so I'm thinking of one thing in particular, we had this horse many, many years ago and she was this boss mare and she just was so like assertive and bossy and whatnot. And you'd go out on, you know, I'd ride her and she'd be out on the trail and she would spin and run for home when she decided she was done. But you could put the most physically and or mentally um, challenged kid on her and she would literally slow down. She would shift, shift her weight. If she felt that the, you know, client was getting off balance, it's just the most incredible intuitive therapy horse, but it was just such a contrast to what she could be like, you know, out in, in other situations, but just the most incredible horse. And so, you know, I see things like that and I'm like, wow, there's, there's gotta be some, you know, where, where did this horse come from? <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. I like the way you connected that. That's actually like, yeah, because I, the older I get, the more I get into animals and nature. It's weird. Like I always loved nature, but like from a distance slash, like when I was in it, I was more like concerned for my safety and stuff and loving that. But now as I get older, I'm just like, Oh man, like I wish I didn't live in a place where light pollution was like, you know, I just want to see. <laughs> and then with animals, it's like even more special. Cause like you said, they're just so, full of life but i always find it funny too because like uh they're still animals like you know as you said and like um uh even with dogs like i remember like one time my little like lovely pablo who's like gentle as can be was like snapping Mm -hmm. really bad at me and all that so (laughs) so i'm kind of curious where do you see two things going and they're the two themes of this podcast i would say so in a hundred years uh assuming medical technology does not improve you and i will both be long gone (laughs) so with that assumption as a fair assumption 
in a hundred years, do you think the uh, there will be more or less organized religion on Earth? Um, in a hundred years, I I mean, I think there will be less. Uh, you know, I I think that um, there might not be less belief in you know in God or religion, but I think there might be less organized religion um just as people are finding that not everything has to be black and white that there's a lot more gray in life than we realize when we're young (laughs) you know sort of the naivety of youth right yeah um or at least you know that's 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 my own personal hope right maybe that that's really skewing that that's where i hope it goes in 100 years is that people realize that there can be all kinds of shades of belief systems and religion and whatnot um so that it doesn't have to be like that you go to a church and that you believe in anything and everything that this book written by um, you know a human being tells you um so yeah so I, that's probably colored by my my hope still a good answer and i think uh <laughs> i interviewed a quaker once and he blew my mind because what they do in church is they sit in silence and it sounded like amazing. He's just like, there's a power when you're in a group and it's silent. I was like, yeah, I, I've been in meditating groups. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And so that was that was cool because it's an organized religion, but like there's no preacher. There's no sermon. And then if you feel incredibly compelled to speak, you can just speak. But people don't like talk back to you. So you can like yell out like, love is all you need. I mean, <laughs> Well, see, and I and I totally I totally appreciate that because I, I love hearing about different religions and and how everybody sort of or you know different people have their own faith and their own beliefs and their religions. Where I have a problem is when you judge other people based on it, or you tell other people that the way they're living their life is incorrect or wrong. Uh, you know, that's where I really take more issue with it. It's, it's so I, I love hearing that kind of stuff, and I that's part I've been listening to more of your podcasts as I've been, you know, preparing to to come on here and do this video. And it's so cool listening to so many different like backgrounds. And some of the ones that I've been kind of like, Oh, I don't know if this one will be so interesting. Like, just cause it's not something that I know that I think that I really necessarily am interested in or connect with or whatever. And inevitably there, if, even if I don't have that moment of like, wow, this was one of the better ones I've actually listened to. There is a moment, there's always a moment of something that comes up where I'm like, wow, that's that's something that just has got me thinking and i love that yeah that's why i love doing it it's funny because i don't anymore uh, i no longer check like downloads and numbers and i'm no longer like interested in that side of it and that is a huge relief but in addition to that just this is fun like i was like oh on friday i get to talk to (laughs) melissa and then sometimes i'm like really scared because i'm like oh i'm gonna talk to a very random person who says that they're really into this thing that like i i don't know anything about and i try to right i do limited research because i don't want to be a know-it-all i want to be like a totally open-minded person so it's like a fun process for me second part of the hundred year question and then after that you get the floor (laughs) (laughs) i just i like these two questions and i really specifically wanted to ask you same thing but with animal rights but not like animal rights as in like it's legal or illegal to kill or eat animals just more like do you think the average person in 100 years will think animals deserve more than what the average person thinks now i i think so and i certainly hope so cuz i think that from 100 years past it has certainly changed and gotten better where you know i think that 100 years ago you wouldn't have found nearly as many people who think that 
animals, you know, have as many quote unquote rights as they do, or, you know, deserve Mm -hmm. certain things in life. And I mean, even in, you know, the, like the, the animal for, for food industry, there's been a lot of work in that for more humane slaughter and whatnot. Just, so there's more, I think, cognition and awareness all across the board. So even though we realize that we're, we're raising these animals to, to be killed for other people to eat, there is still better awareness in trying to do that in a more, more humane way too. Um, so I hope that that just continues, um, you know, for the next hundred years, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, but I think that being being a meat eater myself, um, even though I love animals and that, you know, I, I'm just I'm OK with the fact that there is some hypocrisy in that. And that is just part of my, <laughs> part of my decisions in life. Um, I still try to, you know, always be respectful of the fact that I am eating something that was once living and give its life up for me to eat. Um, I don't know that I could ever kill an animal myself for that purpose. So therein lies the hypocrisy, but, um, you know, I just, you, you life, my life is not perfect. I am not perfect. And <laughs> Oh, I love it. I, yeah. I wish more people were as open-minded to saying the exact sentence you just said, which is like, I'm not perfect <laughs> and my life isn't perfect. And, uh, I'm okay with that though. Cause that's the reason it's okay. If you were saying this, in a therapist's room with like tears, it would be a very different feeling I'd have right now. Right. And th- at the same time, it always drives me to learn and be better and do better and, um, you know, all that. But, uh, I'm, I'm always just very aware that, um, I am not, I am not a perfect person. None of us are. Um, and that also helps me, you know, I try to keep that in mind in my dealings with other people, um, in everyday situations, trying to keep that in mind too. We are not perfect. We don't always react perfectly. Um, but hopefully we are always, all, always striving to, to grow and, and to be better. Yeah. I love it. Um, <laughs> that sounds like the final question I would ask answer, but do you want to add anything to it just in case? Um, I think just that, you know, that along that line, just to always try to remember to take care of yourself and, you know, especially what we, you know, sort of have been through as a society in the last few years, that mental health has become a much more real thing to, to, to a lot more people to take care of, but also to take care of each other, you know, try to remember that, you know, we all have bad days. And so even if you aren't having one of those bad days, somebody you're coming in contact with and not having a great interaction with might be having a bad day and trying to be graceful about that. Um, it's easier said than done, you know, for sure. But that, you know, it's not always, it's not always something that we can control when we're just sort of reacting to our feelings. Wow. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh my God. That's so cool. You speak so eloquently and you answer questions like as if you were in front of like an entire auditorium. It's amazing. <laughs> I, um, putting you on the spot was one of the best things I ever did. I love it. <laughs> we we talk like this deeply and we always have, but it's just fun to do it for this long, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you. Um, and thank you for the compliments and the feedback on the podcast. That's exactly what I would want the average person to think is like, hey, this was not a waste of my time and there was at least one nugget to take away from this conversation. So you have been a great guest, Melissa Maker, everyone. Uh, she doesn't really do like the social media stuff, but I'll have whatever links she lets me. And uh, for those of you listening at home, as always, the best way to support the show is just to head over to MikeyApp.com and subscribe for free to the weekly email. And uh, we love you and we thank you and we will see you soon. Thank you.